so much. It's lovely to be here. Um, so nice for me especially to get to see Anita because I uh, have a history with Anita and it's lovely to be here with her tonight and seeing her again. Now this looks very big and I'm very tiny so I'm going to squash this down a bit. It's a bit like what side of the bed you want to sleep in, isn't it? You, I always have to have that to the right. I hate to feel it's on the left so hope you don't mind me rearranging your furniture. <laughs> So it's really, really lovely to see you all tonight and Nigel had asked me to share a wee bit about parenting and a wee bit about faith nurturing and we kind of rattled our brains and we thought, well, we'll come up with the right title and we decided to call this evening Raising Faithful Children What We All Can Do. Um, so before you switch off, whether you have children or not, this will be relevant to you. Um, and I want to begin with a little story about a little boy who lived with his mum and his stepdad. And his stepdad had been abusive and was taken off to prison and spent time in prison. And when it came time for his release, his wife had to make a decision because he wasn't allowed to be home with the little boy. And the mum chose that she was gonna stay with her partner. And so that little boy ended up on a really difficult journey, cared for by various people, and he ended up at one point homeless living on the streets. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now as a young adult, he took up burglary. And he was arrested for burglaring, a, burglaring I can't say that. Burg robbing, there's a good word. <laughs> robbing a house. No matter how many times you practice a word, you still say it wrong, don't you? Robbing a house. But the, the thing was, he actually hadn't robbed. He had only broken into the house. And they said, why did you do that? They'd got him sitting on a chair. And here's what he said. He said, I wanted to sit in the chair and imagine this was my home and my family. Now, I think that's a moving story. Um, and it's the story of a little boy who was burglaring, but it reminds us how every heart longs for a family that loves them, for a place to belong, somewhere to love and somewhere to be loved, and where you gather those foundations for life. And you'll see behind me doors. And it's a bit like life. Behind every door, there's a different family, isn't it? Some families will have children. Some families won't. Some will have small families. Some will live alone. Some will have wide family networks. And some will be parenting alone in those families. Some will be ticking along and all will be going well. And for other families, it's really, really ch challenging. And each one of us is in this room have an experience of being part of a family. It might be a biological family. It might be um, an adopted family. It might be a blended family. You might have had a great experience in your family life or you might have challenges. But you know, we are all part of God's family and we're all in God's heart. No matter who we are or where we come from, God's plan right from the beginning was that family was how he was gonna bless us. Right through Abraham's family, he was gonna bless all the nations. And scripture reminds us of this, that he sets the lonely in families. And I think that's so exciting. But the greatest news is that actually he's invited us all to be part of his family, adopted into his family. And that means we're all son and daughters of his, and we're all a family here tonight in faith. And this local family that you're a part of has a really important role to play in all the children that are part of this church and part of this community. It's not just their parents who are positioned to nurture faith in their lives, but we as their faith family are as well. And we're going to think about that this evening. But first, I'm going to give you a bit of a taster, a bit of a whistle-stop tour through parenting. 
Are you up for that? Who, who can manage that for a few minutes? And you know the thing about it is, it's just gonna be a, a hit and run. It's not gonna give you lots of detail. It's just gonna give you some food for thought. And what it does is stay with me if you're an empty nester and you've raised your own kids or you've never had kids. Because one of the important things is for you to hear what actually the parents in your community are doing. What is it about? What is the ministry of parenting? Because it really is a ministry. So every year there's about 25,000 children born in Northern Ireland. Can you imagine that? And some of them rock up to your parish, Nigel. So there you go. There's lots of them in this community uh, that you can be part of. And you know, a little one doesn't come with a manual that says this is how to work with this model. Sure, it doesn't. Um, and as those parents embark on parenting, it can be a bit of a, a, a shot in the dark, a bit of an emotional roller coaster, and it can feel a wee bit overwhelming. And the reality is their parents are juggling lots of things, work, church life, family life, jobs, all kinds of responsibilities. And you know what? They've only got 18 years to do this job of nurturing their little one. That's 6,570 days. It's not really that long, is it? Sleepless nights are probably the first wee bit of it, and the rest of the time, it's a whole different story, isn't it? But each child is a unique gift from God. They're all made in his image, no matter what they're like. They've all got potential within them that God has ordained. And the ultimate goal of a parent is they're raising adults who can cope in the outside world, people who can know and make their own choices. So remember, if you're a parent here tonight, you're raising adults, not children. Um, and they're going to be full of purpose, and you get to play a really big part in that. Um, Parents do carry the big responsibility, but it's important that we, as a faith family, come alongside parents and we're their greatest cheerleaders, that we find ways to support them. So how many remembers the wee rhyme, um, the house that Jack built? Anybody remember that? Or you're not as old as me. <laughs> Well, we're going to use that as a bit of a, a model tonight, we're but we're going to call it the house that built Jack. And we're going to do a bit of a whistle-stop tour on parenting. So you see here at Jack, the little house is Jack. And there's lots of environmental effects on our children. You can see all kinds of things going on in the world around us, isn't it? And each child, we want them to be able to grow. And how we help them grow is how they will manage all those factors of life. And so firstly, they come with a temperament and a personality. They're born with it. There ain't nothing we can do about it when they're born. They come along with the temperament and personality that God has ordained for them. Johnny, you can click on a wee bit there. Yeah. Oh, you can't see the bottom one. Anyway, you've gone one too far. That's no problem. Temperament and personality. What does that look like? Well, there, we can't really change it. It is what it is. You know when you buy one of, get one of those trolleys in the supermarket and it goes its own way? You ain't got a lot of chat, but you can nudge it a wee bit, can't you? It's a bit like that with temperament and personality. We can help shape our children. But don't fall into the trap as parents of comparing them with others. Who speaks the most words first? Who can get the best exams at school? Who, and feel that you're failing. The child that rocks up into your room and is friends with everybody or the shy one that hides in the corner. They, they are just what they are as God has made them. And so it's, it's important as parents you don't fall into the trap of comparing. I have three sons. Um, two of them are identical twins, but I needed three manuals for those boys because they were all different and I had to treat them all differently to see them flourish. It's a bit like the difference between, uh, you know, an off-the-peg dress that fits your own lumps and bumps or a bespoke suit or dress for a 
fancy wedding, whatever, you, you're doing with your child what's right for your child. So it's really important. One person I remember saying to a new parent who was struggling, she said, it's great to have books, it's great to have lots of ideas and principles, but read your baby, not a book. And so we've got to learn to work with their personalities. And then attachment, which Johnny's already shown us. Attachment is really about a big theory that John Bowlby um, presented a number of years ago, but it boils down to the fact that a child needs connection, needs somebody to love it, needs to feel secure. And that's usually it's mum and dad, it's siblings, it's grandparents, that wider family unit. And it's those bonds will shape how that little one will grow up. It's like a little one saying, is there anyone out there for me? Is there anyone belonging to me? And those warms bonds give them the security to explore life and to learn, to mature and be curious. So we're building those bonds in our children and you're responsible to do that right from those early cuddles you give a little one right through to listening to your teenagers. Those are building those bonds of attachment. And it's really helpful if we can think, even on the hard days, to be consistent. Just remember they need to know that you are there for them. Time and attention is how we do that. Whether that looks like pizza night on Friday night, or movies on Boxing Day, or pancakes on their birthday, whatever it is works with your child, then just do it and keep on doing it because that's the family glue that will keep that child connected and help it grow. And then there's three pillars I want to talk to you about. The first one's of nurture. That's all the practical things we do as parents. Like from you get them to those 6,570 days are over, you're doing all the practical things. You're making sure they're fed, you're making sure they're safe, you're making sure they get sleep and exercise and all the practical things. It's a long-term investment in everyday life and that's so important and good routines. And it's great to make sure you have fun in that and laughter in that. And the next thing is love. You see, it's great to do all that nurture, but if we don't do it with love, it, it just is done without that loving expression. It doesn't meet all their emotional needs. And a child has many, many complex emotional needs, but we can be doing um, lots of things as we, as we share with them. We're encouraging them, we're respecting them, we're affirming them, we're listening to them. Has any of you ever heard of love languages? You've probably heard about love languages for your partner. There's actually a whole book on love languages for children. I would encourage you to have a read at it because they all want to express and experience our love in different ways. So there's five of them. There's service, uh, words, time, gifts, and touch. Your children need it all, lots to read. It'd be a sermon in itself, or a seminar in itself. But if they've got a words as their love language, send them a wee note in their lunchbox. Or if it's touch, give them a big hug and snuggle up on the settee and watch a movie. My big 35-year-old son, he's a big lump, bigger than me, drowns me in a hug. He says, give me my oxytocin hug, mum, because his love language is touch. And that's still how he knows that I love him. So what we do to shape those emotional needs is going to create a secure and happy, confident child who can go off into the world and be the person that God wants them to be and flourish. And then the big word, discipline. It's so easy when we hear that to think it's about punishment and um, to think it's about bad behavior and, and managing that. When in actual fact, discipline is just about training. It's about helping a child manage their behavior. It's helping them to learn self-control and what's acceptable and what the consequences are of their behavior. So we wanna help them make good choices. And it, 
Start when they're really tiny. It might be, do you want a strawberry or do you want a raspberry on your Weetabix? Do you want to wear a jumper today or a cardigan? Or it might be something like, um, oh, what sort of choices? We do you want a ham sandwich or a chicken sandwich? But then when they get a bit bigger, we let them have bigger choices and they start to say, will I cross the road at the traffic lights or will I dart here? Or will I go into that internet site or will I just not click? And so what you're doing when you're disciplining your child is you're actually helping it learn those boundaries. And manage that is all about the style of parenting that you adopt. So there's three styles. The first one's the permissive parent. That's the one who's got no boundaries. They just let them choose whatever they want. And the child is just open to explore and try. But the risk with that is that they will get lost and they won't know how to manage things. The next one is an authoritative parent. That's the one who's... Here's the rules, this is what you're going to do, don't ask, just do it. And the risk with that is that your children will rebel. But the assertive parent is the warm and structured parent who puts a few, few boundaries bound, but the gate's left a wee bit open for the little one to learn, to take risks, to explore, and the safety of knowing mum and dad are there. So you can read up on those parenting styles, lots to learn about those, but that's going to help you shape and guide your child with the boundaries in life. And all of that helps us build resilience. And that's basically giving children strength on the inside to cope with all that comes in life. Because there will be bumps. We can't protect them from everything. And so resilience is going to give them the ability to adapt, the ability to bounce back. And those are the foundations and pillars that give your child roots to grow and wings to fly. But there's a big roof that oversees all of this, and that's faith. And we want to offer that to our kids, isn't it? That's the greatest thing that we want to give them, is a, not just a knowledge of God, but the opportunity to have a relationship with God. And just like we teach them to brush their teeth, and we do that intentionally, God wants us to be intentional how we teach them about faith. Deuteronomy 6 and 6 and 7 encourages us to do that. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. That's a whistle stop to our parenting. I hope that that excites anybody in the room who's still an active parent, that you are involved in a really great mission that God has given you. It is a ministry to help shape that little life that's made in his image. And for those of us in the room who are no longer parents of growing children, that we've got adult children, you never stop being their parent. And there's so much you still can do to serve them. But if you don't have children, then I hope that you can remember that as a faith family, we're all called to support the parents and to encourage them and to be their cheerleaders. Find what you can do to support them and encourage them. But the big thing is the faith element is not just for the parents. Did you know that the vast majority of children, people come to faith under the age of 19? I wonder if I asked anyone in the room when they came to faith it was under 19, would you be willing to wave to me? Yeah, have a look. Most people begin that journey in childhood. And yet 50% of the children who come to Bangor every week don't choose faith as adults. They decide to walk away. And so we know childhood is a really important time for the faith journey. And we're going to just look at that now in the last part of our talk together. At Care for the Family, we did some research and we developed a program called the Kitchen Table Project. 
and it was looking at helping parents and carers and churches understand what it was we needed to do to nurture faith in children. And the research identified five key elements. The first one is a home life, which we've already talked about, that warm, affirming place where a child feels loved and secured and can grow a strong foundation of faith. A space where the parents have a real faith that goes beyond Sunday, where they're happy to let their children see it Monday to Sunday. But it doesn't have to be perfect and they don't have to be experts. But it's letting their children see something that encourages them to say, I want that faith for myself. And then it's about being intentional. We want parents to be intentional, doing what that Deuteronomy tells us as you walk, as you talk, as you sleep, as you eat. It's like, what does it look like over Weetabix in the morning or the drive to school? Or what's it like when the teenager comes home and slams the door because the phone's not allowed at the dinner table? What does that look like to be an intentional parent? And how do we introduce God into our everyday like Deuteronomy encourages us? And then the belonging. This is the big one for all of us. The big piece of the puzzle in a child wanting to have faith as an adult is being involved in an intergenerational church where they build relationships with other people who are not their mom and dad, where they hear the story of God from other people. And there's a blessing for everybody involved with that. We want children not just to come and sit in the seat or go out to the children's park, but we want them to be active and participate in the life of our church. Now, obviously, we want people to be involved with their children. We have safeguarding policies and guidance, and we want to adhere to all of that, that we're introducing people we trust into our children's lives. And the church has been designed as one big support system where God has put us all together to be part of that. And then there's prayer. That's the fifth element that we know if it's present because we all do these things to nurture faith, but actually it's God who work, works to change a child's heart. And we can all commit to pray for every child that comes through the door of Bangor Parish or every child who comes in contact with someone from Bangor Parish. So we're going to unpack four and five and have a wee look at more. How do we belong? How do we help children belong? How do we all in this room help them belong to Bangor Parish? Relationships, key. Um, research tells us that those intergenerational relationships are really important in a little one choosing faith. And the local church is the place where God has planted lots of different people together. We all look different, we all think different, we all behave differently. Lots of different generations and cultures and races in one church. And then we can look for people we trust who can invest and encourage them. Let's hear what a few of the experts say. Thank you. 
So great encouragement that we all have a role to play in young ones' lives. I had a colleague, he picked five people to be the mentors in his kids' lives. They've got pictures up in the fridge, they come round for tea, different ages, and they're people he trusts to speak into his children's lives and be part of that faith family. So I encourage you as a church to think, who is it God wants you to role model? How is it you want to manage that in Bangor Parish? But realize that God has a role for all of you. My children were paired up with someone in church when they were little, and they just knew that was the person who prayed for them. All it was was a little hello on a Sunday, but they knew that Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so was praying for them on a Sunday. And participating, that's a really key thing. Um, as we gather as believers, you know, how do we help our little ones understand what we're doing? Do you know, we all come in here on a Sunday and there's stuff going on and we know what we're doing and why, but do our little ones, do they get to be part of that? My son of my eldest granddaughter um, always prays with her at night going to bed, you know, one of those normal things that a Christian parent would do. And as she got older and her vocabulary included, increased, he let her pray, him, she said to her, would you like to pray tonight? And it happened to be a Sunday and this was her prayer. She said, thank you, Jesus, for fun today at church. Sorry you were dead. Thank you for the juice and bread at church to bring you back to life. She was only about five, but my goodness, that little prayer showed she was catching something. She was trying to discern a very big theory, a very big complex theology. How can we as the church, everybody, help that little one understand that? act of worship. How can we help daddy talk to her at home about that? That's a great conversation starter for the everyday of life. Then when um, they got older, they were allowed to help on the worship, the welcome team. And she loved it all the way through COVID, squirt, squirting hands with jail, making friends with all these people in church who were chatting. Lots of ways that we can do that. How do we help them participate? How can each of you find a way to uncover the gifts in each child and help them serve in church? Let's hear just a wee tiny snippet from a few more experts and then we'll close. Session one, big one. I'm not sure you can really understand church and get church unless you're a part of doing something within it. And therefore, we need to help our kids take their place as part of our church. Whether it's within the church walls or actually out in the world, to help them find what they're going to do is so important. In our consumeristic culture, it can be very easy to adopt a consumerist approach to church. That I go to church expecting the church to bless me while I give very little in return. One great way we can counteract that is by, as adults, 
investing in the life of the church, serving on rotors, getting involved in people's lives. And actually, as we seek to help our children to develop, we can include them in that too. I love it in our little church that the welcome team is often a family group. So mum or dad and some of the kids all offering a hand of welcome, all offering a song sheet or all asking questions. I love that. Uh, or sometimes when it comes to set-up rotor and people are putting out chairs, you'll sometimes see a smaller child, maybe not doing a great job, but still feeling part of the team, getting the chairs out in the line. But as our children get older, I think it becomes important that they volunteer in their own right. So they know church isn't just a place where they receive, but it's a place where they have responsibility. So I love it that some of uh, the children in our church, maybe when they're only 10 or 11, might be in charge of moving the slides on so that you see the next verse of a song. Toughest job in the house, they often get the stairs when things go wrong, but still, they're involved. Or, or maybe they're running the sound desk or in charge of tea and coffee. So encouraging our children to volunteer in the life of church is not just good for the church, it's actually really good for our kids. It helps them to uh, deepen their relationship with God by serving, but actually gives them a whole new series of relationships too. Because sometimes it's a lot easier to make friends when you're shoulder to shoulder with someone serving alongside another person. So I think it's a vital aspect of our children's spiritual development. Great encouragement for us as a community of believers to say, can we start to look at the children that God has blessed us with and find out what their passions and gifts are and find a way to include them in serving in church? One great idea as we close that we had at Care for the Family was to create a big, scrumptious, faith-filled feast. Doesn't that sound good? It's really soup and sandwiches or whatever you decide to have. The whole idea is that we come together as a big faith family and have lunch together. And we've created these lovely placemats that help you just have fun activities together with the children. It allows people to mix and children to get to know other people in church. But it's a great opportunity for you to tell the story of God in your life to a little one and form bonds with families and link in with families to share what God has done in your life. So you can have a look at a few of those placemats out over coffee at the end and you can help yourself to all the leaflets. There's just two books there you can browse through, but you can't take those. You can take everything else. But the thing about allowing our children to, to be part of that feast with us and sit and relax and get to know each other as family, friendships blossom. We get to share stories of our faith. We get to sow seeds of faith. And then those children get to pay, feel part of the family that we belong to. And then the last thing that was part of those elements was prayer. And as church, we can pray individually, but as church, we can pray together in so many creative ways that we can think of ways to pray because it's God who gives increase in faith. And we want each person to commit to pray for the children that God has promised to you here. Pray that God will increase the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Pray that they will have good relationships, that they'll be able to make good choices. And the most important, that they can have soft hearts to respond to God's love. So we've shared lots of things today, um, the importance of family, the tasks of parenting in their ministry and our job to be their cheerleaders, the importance of belonging to a family of faith where we have relationships and children can tr truly participate and that we share together in a whole church family and that prayer is the greatest tool all of us have. So as we close, parents, can I encourage you, you don't have to be a perfect parent, but you can be a great parent. Is there one thing that you heard tonight on the house that built Jack 
that you could take away and delve into a bit more? Is there a love language you could start to practice? Or could you check out the website, the kitchen table, and think of more ways that you can weave God into your everyday? And for everyone who's not a parent, but part of this faith community, what one step could you take to try and see faith blossom in the lives of the children here at Bangor Parish? Could you commit to pray, even for one of those children or one of those families? Could you offer to serve alongside a child? Or even better, could you help make a big scrumptious feast happen to save Susan and Nigel having to be the ones to play, make it all happen? And then you can tell the story that God has put in your life to that little one. So we're all in this together, a community of faith. We all have a part to play. God wants us to raise a generation of children who know him and love him. And so I pray for you all as you walk this journey together that this house will be full of children who love Jesus and have him as their anchor in life. Thank you. Let me just sit down.